Welcome to the Love Out Loud podcast. And if you're new to our tribe, on behalf of the entire global family, just so you know, we love you. You're a part of a collective of millions now in over 40 countries around the world devoted to revolutionizing our views on love, global leadership, challenging systems of fear, and creating a new earth together. Love Out Loud takes you on a journey of learning how to love yourself and realizing your unlimited potential so that together we can create a unified and compassionate world. Our membership is the heart of our ever-growing global family and we would love to see you in that. Join us for free now by clicking the link below. Ryan Magic, welcome to the Love Out Loud podcast. It is so good to have you on the show. I'm really excited to jump into this conversation about um, all of the topics you love to speak on, specifically money. I'm interested and very curious to to jump into your views on that. And just to give a little bit of an intention and context to the podcast, this is a space where we invite incredible leaders into conversations that would otherwise be seen as maybe polarizing or edgy and really try and have them through the lens of love to help people connect um, to these concepts beyond any feelings of, of like shame or resistance to really embody you know the fullness of their potential through the demonstration of other leaders so I'm sure this conversation is going to be amazing the first question I have for you though is is your last name magic is that your true last name (laughs) it's not my true last name but Uh, I was I was chatting with someone recently whose uh name online or last name was love and I was like uh someone else has changed their last name but as I start to get to know this person more, and they're like, no, it's my actual real last name. And they showed me their birth certificate and their last name was actually Love. <laughs> so after the podcast, I'll, I'll bump you their name because I feel like they should just be on the podcast out of merit of their last name being Love. hundred <laughs> percent. And I'm sure that would have had to happen at some point through, through any avenue. Um, that is the most epic last name. I know that. <laughs> yeah. So if, if magic isn't your real last name, I want to know the story. Let's begin there. When did you decide I'm going to start referring to myself and identifying with the name Ryan Magic? Yeah, this is a, this is a cool question. So probably a, a year ago or more than a year, a lot of people just started calling me magic. And I was like, what the, what the hell is going on? Why is everyone calling me magic? And my last name, for me, I'd, I'd always been very business focused. So was I, I started the coaching business and grew it and scaled it and it became more and more of a, a CEO role for me. And I stepped like more and more out of doing what I actually started the business for, which was to speak and be on podcasts like this and coach people and really be able to make a difference on the front line, which is what I love. That's my passion. And so it... It, the, the name in itself was a symbol of me transitioning back into what I loved. And my last name, Magda, which is Polish, it's got like two Zs in it. It's quite hard to spell, but it's a beautiful name still. But I, I went, you know, magic could be a lot easier to refer to as I started to build my brand, which was a, a symbol of me doing what I loved. And so a lot of signs started coming up with people calling me magic. And I was like, what the hell? And then this dude, I don't know if you know this guy, his name's Dale Beaumont. And he's like one of the business coaching pioneers in Australia. He, he has like over 500 business coaching clients and he runs this movement called Business Blueprint. He's just a, he's a really successful, kind man. And he, I, didn't, I didn't know him as just because I grew up in coaching business in Australia he had a big coaching business in Australia. He, re- he randomly reached out to me and I never heard from this guy before. And he sent a photo of like a, a wall that he saw in New York saying, don't forget to own your magic. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell? I've never spoken to this guy before. And he's a, he's a really well-known dude. And, we, and I was like, mate, it's so strange. I think he he reached out to me first for some other reason, but then after a few messages, he sent me that photo, and I was just, he knows nothing about the fact. Did that he know? Change my name? No, uh, nothing. Don't you love that? Oh, it's got to be a got to be a sign. Some synchronicities. Hundred percent. And did you find that by you know making the decision? Okay, I'm going to align myself to this name. Did you find that through that process of identification, you started to embody it more? It's a great question. 
Initially, yes. And I think it was like a really big symbolic, it was more the meaning of, of making the decision to change my name online was the bigger deal for me that it was just, okay, cool. I'm actually going to do what I love moving forward. It's no longer going to be driven by the desire to have vanity metrics in my business or scale it to a certain financial point. I'm actually going to do what I love as the top priority and it's going to be non-negotiable that that's the top priority. And the name was a symbol of that. And so, yeah, I think by, by making that decision, then I, I started to give myself permission to lean into to magic more with my life, like the passion, the joy of what I, I love to do, which is speaking and yeah. making a difference. I love that. You know, what, what the sentiment I love about this story and one thing I'd really love the listeners to really tune into and hone in on in what you're just sharing is the power of when we do make an intentional and aligned choice, even if there's so much that needs to shift and change in our reality to accommodate that new direction, simply by choosing it and aligning to it, that change starts to to happen. And you just said that you've been a coach for, for many years, you've coached you know, how many people, tens of thousands of people in really understanding um, how to live, you know, the life that they want to live. Mm. How much of a, a role do you think that that clarity of alignment plays in, in someone's success? Yeah, I, th- I think the big, the big thing that I'd love to point out from what you just said is being able to make big, meaningful decisions because a lot of the time we kind of make little steps towards the things that we want, also staying really, keeping the safe, the safety or the backup plan of what we we know we don't really want, just hovering there. Yeah. And I'm a massive advocate for being able to use willpower or knowing or a deep sense of, yeah, that inner knowing and alignment internally. When When I have that, I really like to give myself permission to make a big decision that logistically could anything could happen from that decision but what it but it being significant enough that it, that it pushes the plan b to the side and it's a really big sign to the universe that you know i'm going in this direction now i'm a massive fan of that and i think the reason why i see it as important is because fears are so strong and they're always going to be around based on us being human beings it's just a part of being a human and as a result i really like to harness my willpower to make decisions that outlast the motivation and the willpower itself because none of us can rely purely on willpower and we can get to that we can strive to get to that point of resistance free i'm enlightened it's love always <laughs> kind of mode but it's it's just not realistic from my experience of being deep in personal development and spiritual development for over 10 years now I just can't see that being a reality as my experience as a human so far. So being able to actually make decisions and have tools that work within the scope of being a human being and allow me to, yeah, to, to press on when I don't feel like it sometimes. So an example that I'll, I'll give is when I started uh, my initial business that I grew to eight figures, it was a huge leap for me because I was like, Hey, I'm, I was 21 and I was like, I want to coach coaches and I want to be a speaker and I want to do all this stuff. But I was, petrified. And so I hired a $50,000 mentor at the time, which I had to borrow $5,000 of a deposit. Seems like the next step. Yeah. (laughs) Well, for me, (laughs) it needed to be pressed into a corner or else I never would have, I would have kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And it might've taken taken me three or four years to get into it. And I was like, no, I need something that's going to, I need to use this willpower to make a decision to get me in and I hired this mentor. I had $1,000 coming out of my account a week in mentorship fees. And I didn't have any, I actually, as a result of making that decision, I shut down my previous business, uh, which was a was my cash cow, which is a digital agency, which for anyone that's in digital, it's a pretty easy to monetize business because everyone needs a website. Everyone needs digital services that are in business. So you can just network and get clients pretty easily. So I just shut that down. And so I had no cash flow. I had to make sales in this new business. I didn't even have a product. But as a result, I ended up running 12 seminars in 10 weeks, which I would not, there's no way I would have done that because of how scary it was for me to get up in front of people and speak. I never would have done it unless I'd made that initial decision to hire the mentor. But then it ended up, I ended up getting my first 50 clients in the first 10 weeks and that, and being able to 
pay the mentor, have enough money to survive. And then ended up doing a million dollars in the first 10 months of that business off the back end of that decision to hire that mentor. And it wasn't even because of the strategy or the, the plan that we put together or anything like that. It was just, I was all in and I had no choice but to use my, my humanity and my skills as a, as a human, which we all have equal access to, to just follow my dream and make it work. But I wouldn't have done that if I didn't make that decision. I would have put it off and put it off because of just natural fears. I love this message so much. And I have to say, like, so many people that I really admire and who have created something amazing in the world say the same thing in their own unique way. And one of the um, one of the principles I write into Love Out Loud, the book, is life will unfold in proportion to your courage. I really mm. believe that so much. And I've experienced that so much. And I also sort of feel and believe, and I've always been like this, that, you know, the B plan is the plan that you're being. Even if you think that there's an A plan, if there's still a B plan, if you still have a backup plan, that's really the plan that you're being. Yeah. So the beingness is what is going to determine the opportunity, the things that come into your sphere that allow you to, um, to grow and actually meet your potential. And I love this idea that, you know, even at such a young age, you were just like, yep, I'm going to put all of my cash into this mentor, not even for the sake of having the mentor, but to put myself in a position where I have to thrive, where there's no other option but to, to thrive. And I really want the listeners to hear that and to recognize, okay, your capacity, your potential, your will as a human being is so immense but whilst there's nothing driving you, and this is the next question I have for you, Ryan, whilst there's nothing driving you, it's so difficult to meet those edges, to meet that potentiality. So from your experience, what has, what's triggered that drive in you? And I'm also really interested to hear like stories of the clients you've worked with, the people that you've, you've coached. What is this sort of elusive concept of drive? Because I know people have said to me all the time, I made some very, very bold, big decisions at a very young age, which catapulted me to do the work that I'm continually doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And that drive for me came from really wanting to create what I didn't have as as a young person, you know, like that idea that we value what what we missed out on. In, in in childhood so that feeling of connectedness that feeling of inspiration and creativity and support I was so void of that that my drive to create that in the world was so immense but I'd love to hear your perspective on this and how people can tap into more of that drive yeah it's a it's a it's an amazing question and it, it can be quite complex because there's lots of different ways that drive can be created so it's a really interesting question for me to reflect on as I'm answering it and then answer it. And I would say that the drive has been very different at different stages. So when I started, I didn't know this and it took me a while to recognize it, but I was driving from a place of trying to prove myself to my dad. And so we all have something internally called a survival script, which essentially is what we believe as a junior or a dependent child we have to do in order to appease our parents and and get love from them because we believe that love equals safety because if they love us, they'll protect us because you've got to really feel into the fact that as a child, we are, our survival is dependent upon our our parents. We're not just going to go out there and get money and get food. Uh, Or if we're in the wild, like as our DNA and our biology is being created to survive in, like in a tribe, Again, we're dependent upon mm. the tribe, on our elders and our parents and our, uh, the people that are looking after us for safety. So my survival script, based on how my dad and my parents parented me, was formed a very strong script in my head that in order to be loved, I need to achieve and I need to be worthy uh, in the way of succeeding and do a really great job at whatever I did. So when I was younger, it looked like, very harsh critiquing on my performance in sport. I used to really want to play with my dad a lot and I, it was very hard to get some time with my dad. And when I finally did, I always wanted to kick the footy with him and I'd be practicing to show him how I've improved. And then he'd be like, mate, you're not doing this right. You're not doing this right. So I was so desperate to prove myself. And then that just cascaded out to, to that is our, my wiring, mm-hmm. my ego-based conditional love of self. And everyone has their own version of this. And it's 
it's worth reflecting on and going, what do you believe you need to do in order to be worthy of love? And mm. so for me, I was driven by this conditional script, which is not a, not a super healthy thing, but I'm going to bring this whole thing around to what I would do if I was like listening to this right now, no matter what stage you're at. That was driving me initially. And as a result, my whole survival in my, it's, it's like there's a little kid uh, in a child, our little junior version driving the car of our life. We think we're in the driver's seat. We're actually in the back seat and the little kid's making all the decisions of where we go. So like maybe you were given, uh, you were told off for expressing yourself too much. So you're like, okay, cool. You might become quite introspective and logical and then quite shut off from your emotions. And you're like, that's what I got to do. So the little kid's just driving the car that way. Or you might, as long as everything was super neat and tidy and in control, then you, you were given uh, approval from your parents. It's like oh, everything has to be super perfect and under control. And so the kid's making your decisions. Okay, cool. I need to make sure that I don't go too big. I keep my room clean. I, I stay in something I can manage and control really easily, hang around people I can control. So anyway, for me, it was like I have it's to be interesting In that as well, how much we then, this is such a valuable point, how much we then project that ideal onto onto others, whether that's like an intimate partner or our friends and we become judgmental, if they're not meeting that that same level of cleanliness or that same level of, of achievement and how we perpetuate the cycle in our own lives, you know, because we're not giving to others what we most needed. We're being that, um, you know, that parent that made us feel so shut down to the people in our life and creating all of these walls around being able to receive, you know, love back. It's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I did the same thing to my ex-partner where I expected her to be successful and really achieving and was like, oh, you need to achieve in this way and I massively judge her. Um, It's just, but but for most people, it's ignorance. They have no awareness over it. They're actually trying to protect that person because they think that if that other person's not successful, then your dad is going to get angry at them. Like they're not going to be safe. So mm-hmm. we want them to, to be in control. Like you're not even in control. It's, like you are, your safety is in jeopardy, but it's not. It's all made up stuff. So anyway, that drew, drove me initially with the success. That was, and I don't think that's the healthiest thing, but it was powerful because it's like my life depended on it. My life depended on the success. And as a result, I would drive pretty damn hard. I'd work from 7 a.m. to midnight or 7 a.m. to 3 a.m. or 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. Every, every night, seven days a week. And obviously, I worked really hard. But I didn't know I was driving from that place. I thought I was all motivated and being a great leader and a role model. And I, did, I, had, I had pure intentions, but I was just ignorant of where that drive was coming from. But it did pull me. And then it got to a point where that conditional sense of self started to be threatened because some of my business success, I copped some failures and had some losses. And all of a sudden that, that success that I thought was, and that confidence that I thought was innate within me that I built up that was strong and sturdy actually was flimsy as hell because if the success stopped or the achievement stopped, my whole sense of self was threatened. My whole safety was threatened. And so I really was so thrown by noticing that within myself and I just started meditating at the same time. And meditation, really simply, one of the functions of it is that if you're really busy, you miss a lot of things. If you think of a stereotypical busy businessman from a movie that misses his daughter's dance recital or whatever. But if you create space, you see things. And as I started to meditate as well, it created more awareness over these scripts that were driving me. And I was just so thrown because I at this point, I had built a multi-million dollar business. I had over 100,000 people that I'd built up as, as, a, as like people that were following my brand. And I was inspiring a bunch of people and I was motivating a bunch of people. And I thought I was doing things from a really full place, but I wasn't. And then when I realized I wasn't, I was like, holy fuck, I'm, a, I'm meant to be a role model here. So I stepped back and I, I, and I started to surrender the things I was attached to, my business, my material possessions. I had like a supercar, a four-story house, just complete financial freedom, could do whatever I want, whenever I wanted. But I felt so hollow. I felt so um, lonely because I hadn't taken the time to really deeply connect with people and myself. And so it just really threw me and I went introspective. And so that once I was aware of that unhealthy drive, then I was like, and I surrendered it because the awareness was shining light on it. It was no longer motivating me. And so I went from having a very clear motivational drive, which was from 
proving myself to the world to feel safe to taking that away and then actually not having any drive. <laughs> I literally didn't have drive. I was just meditating all the time. I was running meditation courses for people, but I wasn't, I wasn't working very often. I, I was enjoying my life a lot more, but it was imbalanced. But there's a really beautiful quote that helps me bring it together, which is that flow is the perfect junction point between discipline and surrender. And I'd been really disciplined in the past, but I didn't really have the idea to surrender, to iterate, to bounce off and take feedback from people or the universe or life and, and be able to have that surrender to flow and listen. And, and as a result, I wasn't in flow, even though I was very disciplined. And then the opposite yeah. happened where I surrendered and I was like, okay, cool. I'm just going to leave build the universe a lot more in my feminine. And, but I wasn't disciplined. And so I realized I wasn't striving for surrender. I was striving for flow and flow requires discipline and surrender. So for example, yeah, to, to have both, to have that balance. So I love doing a podcast, right? I love podcasts. For me, I flow when I'm on a podcast, like right now, or if I'm doing a video or a Facebook live or I'm speaking on stage, I'm in flow and I surrender at that point, but it takes discipline to get myself on stage. And so that's a really important, crucial element to it. <clears throat> but I think no matter where you're at, and this is the, I, what I want to do to bring this, because it's a big topic for me because I've had so much experience and struggle and challenge and prosperousness with this idea of drive. But the reality is that there's no such thing as a personal desire, in my opinion. Everything is a cosmic desire. Everything is a desire of God. Everything is a desire of the universe. Everything is a desire of life. And therefore, even if you were ignorant over the fact that you're driving from insecurity, if you desire to be really seen in the world and successful or make a lot of money or have an amazing, like meet some partner or travel the world or whatever the desire is, even if it does come from an unhealthy place, it doesn't matter because if it's a desire that's actually true and feels resonant within your body, you're being led for, to evolution by God or the universe. So it doesn't matter. And this is like what underpins the importance of this point that I'm trying to hit home with here is that you're always going to be at different stages the most important foundational point is to be in your own corner. And if you're in your own corner, you use what you have uh, to, to, to honor what you desire. And if you desire money and you don't have drive because you're lazy and you can make a decision that's going to counteract that laziness by, for example, if you really desire, actually desire getting really fit and you just, not, you just struggle to show up daily with exercise, pay like what I did is I paid up front for six months worth of boot camp. So I had to, I, and then the, all the willpower was taken out of it. The next six months I showed up every day because I'd already paid for it. It was easy job done. Right. But it was a, a real desire to get healthy. Maybe there was some, uh, some uh, trying to look good so I can attract a partner or maybe I was trying to look good. So I was maybe. sexy or whatever it is. <laughs> Could have been. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> desire to be healthy and energized. But that, none of that matters. The desire was real within me. If I'm in my own corner and, and I love myself and I'm my own biggest fan, which is the foundation of everything in my opinion, mm-hmm. then I'm going to honor that desire. Then I'm even, I'm just, and I'm going to do what I need to do to, like if someone's in their own corner, they just leverage what they have. If someone's at a point where they've got so much flowing motivation that's just coming because they're straight, what Preston Smiles would call through you consciousness, where you're just surrendering and allowing God to work, flow through you. And that's just the tap that's turning on your motivation and action. And you got that, do it. If you don't have that yet and you can hire a coach to hold you accountable, do that. Just do whatever you got to do. But where you're at to honor the desires that are real within you, because no matter what, the purpose of life is fulfillment. Fulfillment is a mixture of love and growth. And every decision that is a desire that's planted in your psyche by God or life or the universe or whatever you're destined for, or whatever, however you want to frame it, is planted there to lead you down a path that's going to lead to your growth and evolution, no matter what it is. And you can't control everything that's going to happen in the future because evolution, intuition, is this, does, these desires are intuitive, are no matter what going to lead to your growth. And that's the purpose of intuition. That's the purpose of life. You don't have to know or control and you can't because 
growth is only happens in the unfamiliar and you can't control the unfamiliar because you don't know what it is. So no matter what's happening, just use what you have, use what you need for drive. If it's like, if you're driven to prove yourself, go there, be like, I'm going to prove myself. If you're driven and you're just like, what, I've got this desire for this business and I really want to have money so I can travel. Give yourself that grace, like give yourself, be in your own corner, be your own biggest fan and honor those desires because they're all God's desires. No matter how material they might seem, no matter how um, loving they might seem, it doesn't matter. You're going to get there anyway if you're on this path. So really honor your desires, give yourself that grace and use whatever drive you can conjure up in that moment. I love this. There's so much synergy in your perspective on this to um, to my own. Again, one of the one of the things I introduced really early on in the book is um, my way of, of seeing this, which is the communication that I write is I see desire as, as, as a holy thing, desire is holy, and it's, that's why we desire to eat. You know, that's why we desire to drink water. We desire to have sex and, and, and procreate. You know, these desires are actually imperative to our evolution and the trajectory of our of our growth. And it takes a large degree of, you know, self-ownership. And I get it. I've been there. I, I live that, you know, like owning myself and what I desire from moment to moment has been, you know, the most powerful part of my journey. It's also been the part that has ruffled feathers, you know, the most. My, my capacity to own, you know, it's like I desire this. And if, if it's true and real, suppressing it and pretending like it's not there is not going to do me any good. It's not going to do the people around me any good. It's just going to create repression and um, that's going to manifest in, in some other way probably as, as disease somewhere in my energetic field. So I've always been one to allow that desire to push me forward and feedback I've often had, and I'm sure you've received the same, Ryan, is, um, is sometimes really negative from the people I like. I've been called selfish. I've been called, you know, X, Y, and Z for, for my capacity to own myself. And it has created, I think, at times, and this is something I've worked on now, but at times, especially when I was younger, a deep feeling of being misunderstood, people yeah. not really understanding the purity and the innocence that that was coming from in me because of the projection of their own judgment that, that they didn't know how to own themselves. So yeah. the reason I bring this up is because I know like what you're sharing is so powerful and I know that there's going to be listeners wanting that, like hearing you and getting, and getting that feeling of like, yeah, I want to own myself. I want to follow my desires and then when they're in the face of the people they really care about and that judgment's there in the space, what can you say to those people to, to just give them that nudge forward irrespective of what other people say or think? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. An, this is a really fun interview, by the way. <laughs> great. I hope the listeners are enjoying it as much as, as we are. Um, I would say that when you, when you first start transitioning from a place of not honoring your desires and therefore not giving yourself that love and permission to fully be yourself in the world. And then you transition to that. You start transitioning to wanting just to honor all your desires and be on that path of complete alignment. That's a, that's a big, that's a transition. Transition. And when you start that transition, you often, because it feels so unsafe, because you're so used to having your needs for safety met by fitting in and doing what you think you need to do to be accepted by others, and you just flip that on its head, you're going to feel really unsafe because you, and as a result, the universe will reflect and life will reflect back to you that and, and test you on all these things that you don't feel solid within yourself on. So, for example, when I first wanted to be an entrepreneur, I was seeking so much validation from family and friends and telling them what I was doing and hoping they were going to be super supportive because I needed, like I really needed them to validate what I was doing because I didn't feel certain within it myself because I was still transitioning to owning that, that next chapter that I wanted to embark on. I hadn't mm -hmm. fully owned it. And so I was looking external for that validation and that's normal. That's natural because it's scary and we're entering the unfamiliar. So I think really giving yourself permission to first and foremost understand that you're not going to feel like super confident all the time transitioning to honoring your own desires because it is scary and it goes against your strategies you've had in the past to feel safe. And, and it as requires faith, right? It requires a lot of faith and a lot of trust, especially when there's no yeah. evidence physically yes. 
yet to validate that desire that you have within you. Yes. And and that's one of my favorite quotes. Without fear, there's no space for faith. Meaning yeah. that, like if you were just complete, if you already knew what was going to happen, then you don't need the universe. You don't need God. You don't need anything. You're already set. If you just do things you already are aware of, you're just going to keep having the same life. It's when we want a bigger life or more expansive life or more evolution or more growth or more love or whatever it is. And then we go into the unknown and we, we do have to have faith because we're not in control because we don't, we can't see what's going to happen. And you yeah. can always measure what you can, what you're going to lose, but you can never measure, like you can't measure what you're going to gain yet. And we have certainty. So when we start to <laughs> try to, I, there's a there's such a gift in that like that's i love what you just yeah. said you know we, we can measure the brain can measure what we have to lose but we can't necessarily measure what we're going to gain yeah. and this is the magic right and this is the courage that when you start to understand the universe rewards courage and through leaning in and trusting the upside and i just encourage all the listeners to fall in love with this aspect yeah. the upside is the reward can be so much greater than what your mind can even conceive than what your imagination can even, you know, come up with right now from this paradigm of reality that you're existing within, the reward can be so much greater because it transcends yeah. you know, the, the confines of, of the limited mind. Yeah. And this is every person, every person that we really feel a deep sense of inspiration will pull towards, like big thought leaders in the world or celebrities or sports pe- people that have gone and done something or people that have started charities that have just made a really big mark on the world or businesses or whatever the, these are the ones that have created the most inspiration that people write books about and create movies about the reason that we feel so drawn to them is because of this they've created something remarkable that we're excited about but most of them wouldn't didn't actually know that that was going to end up at that place most of like no, few, none of them yeah <laughs> and so like Oprah was like, yeah, I'm going to have a talk show, but she couldn't have fathomed that it would be this big and she'd be this wealthy. And so it was bigger and more incredible than she expected. Same thing with Tony Robbins. Initially he would have been just thinking, I wonder if I could create something as good as Jim Rohn has created his mentor at the time. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been able to like fathom that he would be the biggest ball leader in the whole world and have over 10 million people go to his seminars. He couldn't have comprehended that at the time. And that's where that, immeasurable upside comes in and, and it's cool to recognize that every single person that you admire usually like everything that you see in the world that you look at, like thinks amazing every person that you think's amazing have all only got to that point and they didn't even expect to that get that point by embracing the unknown every one of them every single one of them none of them had everyone had the same feeling inside their bodies of that unfamiliarity and that fear and the Everyone had that, what you have right now. And I have it every day. <laughs> yes. That's, yeah. uh, like, thank you for speaking to this because, you know, part of what I love about facilitating and helping people come to these um, these points, you know, these bungee jump moments is what I call them, these bungee jump moments where you have the opportunity to take a leap off the cliff and even though it's scary, you're going to experience so much ecstasy through that trust because you're handing yourself over to something so much bigger than you and I loved what you were sharing on surrender before my personal definition of devotion which is very much the path that I've chosen a devotion to love is surrender plus aligned action so that to me is you know that place of abundance that I experience when I am in full devotion to a force that I'm never going to be able to control and that's why I love love so much I'm never going to be able to control love it's just it's too immense you know it's it's trying to it's like trying to take on the ocean but what that is connecting me to is something that is so limitless that not only is it down to my willpower to to make something happen or my skill set all of a sudden I have the entire universe conspiring around me to make that happen it's like handing yourself over to god or whatever whatever your equivalent is your problems become his problems or your your challenges become his challenges and and yeah you're working with that force um and not against it whereas i know for me like in my journey the um embracing of just how insignificant we are as human beings was one of the most liberating you know, points to come to, that we're so important and we're so special and we're a miracle, but in the scheme of everything, we're actually so insignificant, but we're part of a broader tapestry 
which connects to the entire universe. And there's a way that you can coexist with both of the, those awarenesses at the same time, self and, and collective, you know. And just taking one action that is super courageous, like wildly outside of your comfort zone, something that your identity and your idea of self would never let you believe is, you know, is possible for you. Just by taking one of those actions, you will start to experience that magic. And mm. my, my experience, when someone does that once, they just keep on that trajectory because they've had an example of just how much, um, you know, glory that is for us to experience outside of our own comfort zones. Yeah. I, there's this beautiful quote, I'm pretty sure it's by Gandhi, and it says something along the lines of, lines of all action is meaningless, but you still have to do it because it's only only you that can. And yes. It's, true. it's a true and it's annoying at the same time because you're like, I don't want it to be mean, meaningless, but like the show goes on, <laughs> like us running this podcast, it's amazing that we're doing it because only we can create this episode. But if we didn't do it, the show would still go on. And so it's like, but we're doing it to appease our own fulfillment and play our part on that tapestry. But that one, that one thing, I really want to hone that message to those that are listening, that there's a transitional period of building confidence in what you said earlier, evidence that when you trust the unknown, it will bear fruits. And it's, mm. and it's not always in the way that you desire. And it takes a little bit of time for it to be more gratif- those fruits to be more gratifying, meaning that when you initially start transition, let's say for someone's got a big leap and they want to get into business and they take a big leap, their business is not just going to explode instantly. It's going to take a period of probably like three to 12 months for it to really start to bear fruits. But I, I know myself, every time I've taken an intuitive piece of action, it's always led to growth and I've never regretted it. And it's always created some beautiful, expansive movement in the direction towards my desires. And because I've taken enough of those steps now where I've got the evidence built up that if I take the leap, it's going to help me be more of who I want to be. Yeah, it's easier. It's it's still difficult because it's still fear and it's still the unknown, but it's easier. But anyone that's listening that hasn't taken that leap onto that path of just honoring their desires, understanding and knowing that it's, it's got to, you're not going to feel, even if you do a few of them, it's still, that's still not that much evidence, but it just gets easier and easier and easier. So after you've taken that initial leap, being again coming back to that foundation what i believe is the foundation is being your own biggest fan and being your own in your own corner get what do what you need to do at the start so if you take a leap into business and your family's not supportive what do you need to do you need to take some space from your family if you like feeling quite lonely create a community start hanging around with people call your friends ask for the support if you are worried about finances and you need a little bit of extra protection or finances then just work part-time and get some extra money do what you need to do for yourself because only you are in your corner. Like you're in your own corner and, and no matter what, but if you're not like acting like you're in your own corner like, and you're not acting like your own biggest fan, sometimes you'll make it way harder for yourself than what it has to be. Give yourself permission to give yourself what you need to make that transitional period as easy as possible because it's already going to be really hard. Uh, if you if you're not if you're not in your own corner and just really supporting and looking after yourself and giving yourself permission, so say for example you're feeling really freaked out and overwhelmed and anxious, and you have a guilty pleasure or short term gratification, whatever that means for you, like you watch some movies or you watch Netflix for a little bit or you binge eat some food or you jack off to porn or whatever the hell your short term gratification is, it's like just don't don't murder yourself over it. Just give you okay, cool, sweet. I need that. Now I'm going to move forward. Just being really kind to yourself. Give yourself what you need to transition because that transition is, is a difficult one. Start and then relapse. And then that, that cause. Yeah. Just like anything, right? Like any, any goal you're trying to accomplish, any intention that you have, it's, it's never going to be a straight, a straight line. I think that's so important to remember. And really like, why would you, why would you want it to be? Because that, um, the test that comes from being able to let go of when you've gone off track and come back. You know, I always think about meditation as an example. You're strengthening your meditation practice every time your mind wanders and you catch it and you bring it back. That's actually when you're improving as a meditator. When you've wandered off, you've got the awareness that your mind's wandered and you bring it back to a center point of focus. 
that's when you're becoming stronger, more masterful, more practiced until the point you are the master and there's minimal wandering off. But that whole process, just like building strength at the gym, you know, it's not going to be, um, it's not always going to be linear. There are, there are weeks in strength training that I have where my weights are dropping back to the same weight category that I started with. because I'm just not feeling for whatever reason as physically strong for me to beat myself up over that and be like, Oh, well, it's not working. I'm never fucking going back to gym again. You know, it's, it's not a constructive way of looking at it. It's it's being yeah. gentle, compassionate. This is, to me, the power of compassion. And just keep on doing the consistent action to to course correct. I think it's yeah. such a powerful. Yeah, and I think layered compassion. This is like a really interesting concept that I'm just coming up with on the spot. But compassion, <laughs> you can capture yourself with different layers of the spiral down. So, mm. for example... You could not go to the gym and then you could beat yourself up and then you could beat yourself up for beating yourself up and then you could not go to the gym for three <laughs> weeks. Judging yourself for judging. Yeah, exactly. And, then, and it could be six months later and you're still not at the gym. But, if you, but if, you, if you can find compassion at that point, then that's okay. If you can catch it quicker next time, great. But even understanding that there's lots of points you could catch yourself at and if you catch yourself at any point, it's a massive win. Even if it's 10 years down the track, and you catch yourself, the moment you catch yourself, that's a massive win. No matter and what, no community. matter how. Yeah, it's such and a however, however long you've been off-road, like think about, I, I often say this to people, the story that you get to tell when you bring yourself back. Because yeah. that, that's an immense story, you know, like 10, ten years of being, um, you know, segued or, or being going down a rabbit hole to finally come back home to your truth and realigned. There's going to be such an inspiring story from that time you veered off track and the courage and the power that it took to actually get back on yeah. the bandwagon, so to speak, and fall in love with that possibility because there's many people that, um, you know, have only ventured this far off track. I'm using my fingers to indicate a couple of inches there's not that many people that have veered you know millions of kilometers off track and still found their way back home and you have uh you'll have an ability to speak to those people that everyone else has given up on and that's such a powerful story when you when you really claim that and own own that truth and stop seeing yourself as a failure and start actually understanding the power of your journey and your story yeah, and I think it's like not only can you speak to the people that are million of co- millions of kilometres off track, but it creates a beautiful contrast for those that are slightly off track to know that whole – because this is what people <laughs> make movies about. People make movies about people that have gone really far off track. If yeah. someone was just like pretty smooth sailing and then they just became a oh, world champion in something, it's not a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy and then they were a heroin addict and then – Kind yeah. of like, have you seen the movie The Machine Gun Preacher? No, it does not sound like a movie I would watch. <laughs> no, it is. It's essentially about this dude who was like a bikey that went to jail and he was like a heroin addict. And then he found God and then he moved, to, he went on a mission to Africa through the church and during the civil war in Africa. And he ended up creating an orphanage over there and defending the orphanage with a machine gun because there were children, child soldiers that would try to murder everyone in it. And it's a true. It's based on a true story, and uh, Gerard Butler uh, is the main, the lead in it, and it's, it's incredible. But if he didn't become a heroin addict at the start and have and a bikey and in jail and abusive to his partner and all that jazz, the story is less rich. It's because of that real intense uh, downside and pain and veering so far off track that made like what you said, coming back to unity and love so much more powerful and then anyone that's just like oh well you know oh, I, I didn't go to the gym this week it's like well you weren't a heroin addict so <laughs> if you <laughs> if you could just get back and get to the gym yeah. back from being a heroin addict you can you can just start going to the gym again <laughs> yeah and that's not to just like little side note to glorify pain in any way or to glorify However, it is to speak to those of you that feel, you know, you're you're beyond the point of Just in case anyone's tempted to go and get on heroin. But that's not <laughs> sorry to be richer. <laughs> yeah. I think all for the art. All for the art. <laughs> but it is to put into perspective that no matter what your starting point is, there's always a way to come back home. You know, divinity, love, 
um, alignment. This is the truth of, of who you are. And one thing I love about the truth, and at times it's also been the thing that I've hated the most about truth, is truth doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> truth is always there. It's consistent. You can run and run and run and run. You can deny it. You can deflect it. It's still there. It has nothing to prove. And your nature is is always there waiting for you, no matter how many choices you feel you've made um, in turning your back on that. It's still there waiting for you. I think that's such a beautiful message to to leave to leave these listeners with. And I really wanted to dive into the, the tagline that's on your Instagram, which is I help entrepreneurs make meaningful money. But I feel like maybe we should jump on another episode and talk about yeah. that. Because in the context of all of this, um, I think that for me, the reason that stood out to me and why I wanted to explore that um, in our conversation, but to be continued, was because you know, everything that's unfolded this year, I feel if we can really start to just embody that message and that question, even of how do I make meaningful money, you know, we're going to be really putting ourselves in a position to create and recreate systems that are actually serving humanity and the creation of what I think, you know, really is a new earth. I don't think we're ever going to go back to how things were prior to 2020 so I'm, I love having these conversations about what it means to to mix profit and purpose and what the new economy could look like and it sounds like you're such a warrior in that space so thanks for saying that I actually had an alarm just go off on my phone which is cool because I, I would love to share what I do at the moment as a homework task from one of my coaches every 90 minutes every single day and so essentially I just had an alarm go off and I and I want those that are listening, I encourage you to, to follow along for this because it, it feeds perfectly into what we've been talking about on the interview as well. And by the way, you, you messaged me to say, you know, like 25 to 30 minutes. No, I tried my best. <laughs> and I, I, knew, try, I, try my best. I knew it wasn't going to be 25 But it's been amazing. Said, yeah. <laughs> then, you know. <laughs> so anyway, this alarm goes off. And this is about having the foundations right and being in your own corner. And we've been talking about this idea of taking these big leaps and being on path and being connected to love and doing all this crazy stuff and being courageous. But this is, a, this is what I'm focusing on right now as someone that's done $10 million in business that is a warrior at making money and blah, blah, blah. This is what I focus on. And I would encourage you guys to do your own version of this. But every 90 minutes, my alarm goes off and just went off then. And essentially what I do is I just check in with how I feel first and foremost. So I take a deep breath and you guys can follow on and do this as well. <sighs> I'm feeling pretty loved up right now. I'm also feeling pretty excited, pr- pr- pretty worthy as well over the fact that I feel like I've been in flow doing my craft. I feel pretty expansive and kind of blown up in who I am. My ego as well. Like, yeah, I really crushed that out. And, uh, the reason I check in with this is because often what we're feeling in our body is a, it, it gives rise to strategies that we've been using to feel full within ourselves from the outside in, as opposed to the inside out. So me right now, when a disalarm goes off, I check in and I go, what have I been looking externally for with my, what I really give, I, I desire to give myself internally so the three human needs that we have we mentioned safety at the start the survival script is to feel safe to feel uh, approved of and to feel in control and mm-hmm. so these three core needs i go okay what have i been doing so before i was like yeah sweet i was feeling quite expansive because i'm feeling that everyone that's listening to this and you would be approving of me so that was a way that i've been meeting my desire to feel approved of externally I've also been like, I've got a lot of conviction with the way that I speak and whatnot, with a lot of practice. So there was a little bit of like trying to control my words as well. It's subtly pop. Now, nothing I'm going to murder myself over, but it's just like good to be aware of. And then I asked myself these three questions to meet that, what I would look for externally, these, to externally meet these needs, to meet them internally. And this is what I, I want everyone to ask themselves these questions now. The first one is, am I safe in this moment? So right now, I'm just sitting here on a chair at a table in a very well-secured apartment building. I am safe. No one's coming to murder me. I live in a beautiful country. I'm safe. I'm legitimately 
have access to food and water. Okay, cool. So the core need for safety is actually met right now. From the inside, I'm, I'm safe. That basic need is met. The second question that I ask is, do I approve of who I am? And this is not, am I perfect? Am I meeting that script? It's just like, am I a decent person? Do I belong in the world? Am I worthy of love? Am I doing good in the world? It's like, yeah, I'm not going out there and bashing people and like harming people. It's like, I'm, I'm generally doing a really great job. I'm a, I've got a big heart. I'm a great person. Yes, I approve of who I am. I really do approve of, my, of who I am. And thirdly is, am I in control of everything that could be controlled within reason in my environment right now? It's like all I can do right now is speak with you and speak my truth and be connected to my heart. It's all I can do. I can't control anything else. If there was something else going on externally or like something's happening in the water down there outside my window, can't control that. So it's like, yes, I am in control. So it's like, I might've been feeling anxious before because it's like, man, I'm feeling anxious and all. And it's like, no, hang on a second. I'm safe. I approve of me and everything that I have within around me, I'm in control. Like everything's going all right. And if those three things get met, it means my needs now that I've just tweaked them because I could have been feeling anxious before that alarm going off or for the last 90 minutes, they're being met. So hang on, that's celebration worthy. You know, I celebrate, yes, 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 yes. My needs are being met. I'm celebrating because my basic needs are being met internally, not because I'm like killing it, mm-hmm. but I'm just safe. I approve of who I am as just a genuine person and I'm in control of what I can control in this moment. And that's all that matters. And I'm really celebrating that. Celebrating you in that. I think that's an epic little piece of homework for all the listeners to go away and do and really tune in. You know, you are the creator. Everything that you feel is intrinsically experienced and that's always something that you can come back to. Ryan, thank you so much for your wisdom. Thank you so much for your contribution. You're a friend of the movement. Anything that we can do for you, please just reach out. I'm going to put yeah. all of your- well, I'd like to encourage people to do from the interview today in terms of like a call to action is just jump on Instagram and send me a message. Like I'm on the Ryan magic. So the Ryan magic and just say hello. If there's anything that stood out for you, send us a message. If you have a follow-up question, reach out. I love, 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 love connecting with people. So yeah, if, if anyone wants to, to connect in and say hi, it would mean the world to me. Love Out Loud is love acknowledging. So I'm sure you're going to get an influx of acknowledgements from that. We'll also post your Instagram handle so that they, um, in case they can't find you, we've literally direct linked it underneath the episode. You legend, this is um, just the beginning of our new beautiful friendship, I'm sure. Yeah. I have an amazing day. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me on. And I just want to honor you for being such a grounded, authentic, embodied leader as well. Like I really sense your authenticity and also your, your, your energy is very stable and strong and loving. It's beautiful. So thank you for being a great leader. Appreciate that, Ryan.